So I think that Shane Black, growing up, either had the best Christmases ever or the worst Christmases ever. <laughs> and that's what, like, translates into his movies. Yes. He's, like, obsessed with just, like, All of his them. movies happen at Christmas. <laughs> Lethal Weapon, The Nice Guys, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. This movie. This movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, this movie being the Jason Bourne prequel slash... Uh, What's the oh Atomic Blonde would be the prequel to this? Yes. Yeah. As yep. we find out that she's a relic of the Cold War, <laughs> so we have uh, yeah the long kiss goodnight. Uh, it is what year? It is this? long. Nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. It is ninety six. Yeah. Wow. And yes, it is long. It is long. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll start with just letting you know what this movie's about because. There's well, it's it's where there's a lot to it, but there's also not a lot to it. Yes. Um. So yeah, we'll start with a little spoiler review, spoiler spoiler free review, uh, and then we'll get into spoilers once we get back from our break. But um, yeah, essentially this movie is about a woman. She's been living kind of this idyllic suburban life where she's a mom and she's a teacher and she's on the PTA, uh, and it turns out that she is actually a black ops uh, operative. Super spy. (laughs) She's a spy. She uh, is from the Cold War. She's, yeah, they literally call her like a relic from the Cold War. Um, But she's gotten amnesia and she woke up eight years ago in this little town uh, and she was pregnant. And that's where we start our story. (laughs) That's where it begins. So yeah, um, First thoughts. Well, what are we thinking? First thoughts. I, I guess uh, I had forgotten what pre-Hong Kong action scenes look like. Right? <laughs> Think about like how much it's influenced uh, like that, that style of filmmaking and that style of violence on screen. It's so cartoony. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very cartoony. And uh, I remember liking this movie a lot better than I liked it this time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the first time I watched it, I was like, holy shit, like, what was that? I was also a lot drunker then. That might yeah. have yeah. influenced. Yeah. <laughs> that might have been part of it. Um, but yeah, it was, I feel like the first act is pretty strong. Yes. Uh, and then it just like really drags out in the middle and yes. then kicks it up again at the end of the movie. Yes. But that middle is a whole lot of middle. And it's like an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a long middle. I think all of us had like nostalgia goggles about this movie. We were like, yes, let's do Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, wait, what? And as we're watching it, it was like, um, I'm going to go in the bathroom for 45 minutes and nothing's happened. <laughs> yeah, you come back like, what did I miss? Literally no, nothing. nothing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't even see it that long ago when when I first saw it, um, it was probably three or four, oh. maybe five years ago at this point. It's, I don't know. I'm old. You're such an old. But yeah, uh, it wasn't that long ago. It was just kind of like, you know, a night someone was like, oh yeah, I love this movie. We should watch it. We were all drunk, you know, a little high, you know. Yep. And that was That's what the happened. way to watch this and, movie. <laughs> and I, yeah, I remember being like, holy shit, this is amazing. I can't believe, like, I've never heard of this movie. Um, it's still, I still have all those feelings about it. Uh, but there's just seriously a whole, whole lot of, like, drag that happens that could be cut from this t- over two-hour movie that didn't need to be. <laughs> it could have been an hour and a half, like, perfectly. and yes. would have been... Like a tight hour and a half that's, like, punchy and like does all the right pulp moves yeah. instead it's like 
way over long. Yeah. <laughs> I think that happens in a lot of Rennie Harlan movies, too, where there just is a lot of, like, dead weight in there. Yeah. I mean, we did watch Deep Blue Sea recently, and I feel like that one has, like, some punch to it. That one, I feel, is... On the better side of like of Rennie what Harlan. is Rennie Harlan? Yeah, like, as a director. <laughs> well, uh, what was that uh, that Rennie Harlan movie we watched with like the teen vampire boys that like had that whole section oh, in the, the middle? Covenant? That, like, yes. Yeah, oh, and, like yeah. that whole section in the middle that was just pointless. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, pointless exposition. I feel like he just gets these ideas in his head, and I feel like there's probably a lot of it that um, is kind of like whatever the directorial version of like improv is like because it feels like he's like the things that are written out like very clearly but it seems like still on the fly somehow it still feels like these things are just happening at the whim of Rennie Harlan right or it's like padded for 90s cable right so that you know how like you watch um uh, what's that uh movie with tim robbins the shawshank redemption, shawshank redemption. and with commercials it's like nine hours long yeah. i feel like similarly this is like with commercials fills up a whole chunk of your day yeah, yeah. and actually i think that's where my nostalgia for this movie came from was it was on cable all the all time. The time. And yes. so I remember watching it when I was younger as it just being one of those movies that was always on. And the, But I realized that I hadn't sat down and watched it from beginning to end probably since it came out. Yeah, right? Probably. Like, yeah, you watch like the middle part or chunks with commercial breaks. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I love like from the beginning we get... It should have been a warning because there movie starts with a slow-mo handwriting scene. Like, <laughs> well, I, I think that is a trend. Like, if the opening titles are really long and drawn out, it means the movie is going to be really long and it's drawn out. It's setting yeah. the tone and exactly. the pacing, and it was like, wow, why are these title sequences so long? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it definitely... It showed us who it was, yes. and we just should have believed it. Yes. Where she's testing, writing out her name. Does she trust even who she she thinks she is? Which is a great way to start a movie, but maybe didn't need to be ten minutes long. Yeah, um, I do also enjoy the just Gina Davis in this time period, like I in just this movie. Love Gina Davis yeah. in general, and I wish like she was doing more currently. Like I feel like we haven't seen Gina Davis in a long time. Yeah, let's get a. a a remake or let's get a, a, a sequel. I mean, if we're going to be sequeling things, like yep. let's get her like John Wick, you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. She's in the next Atomic Blonde movie. Like, yeah, she exactly. Needs to, yeah, exactly. It's like, they didn't even like comfort, like, you know, they come and they like, you know, kill one of her goats and she's just like, no, not today. Not today. <laughs> I think she's in the same category as uh, Sigourney Weaver, where they're like strong, white, women who are like thoughtful and also action heroes who then now are in their 60s and they don't know what to do with them yeah which is like sad because it's like yeah just give them things the last thing i think i saw gina davis in was in a world and she's like only in it for like two minutes yeah uh yeah that's a, we did that one we did that on an episode um who is that? Um, she like wrote and directed and started. Lake it. Bell. Lake, thank you. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, fantastic movie. Well, in my opinion, I think we yeah. kind of fell mixed on that one, but um, oh, I like that movie. Yeah, I like um. it too. I think I, like overall. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> back to this movie that we were talking about. Um, 
So yeah, we've got uh, Gina Davis, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, who is the uh, plucky private investigator that, uh, again, is uh, kind of like rough around the edges, but like always gets the job done. Yep. Uh, and so he becomes a part of this movie because he's kind of the one person who's still been working on her case. Uh, as far as her being the amnesia chick, as yes, she's yes. referred to in his files. And he's uh, also like the low rent private eye, yeah. right? Like he is not top of the pile. Yeah, so we get um, him being as Samuel L. Jackson as Samuel L. Jackson mm-hmm. be in this movie. And 90s Samuel yes. L. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Playing himself. Lots of fucks, <laughs> yeah. like just like motherfuck, like what the fuck, like. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It is Samuel L. Jackson at his most Samuel L. Jackson, the height of his powers. Well, I think that about covers Yay. like for our general review. We'll get back here with a little bit more in depth. Um, we'll take a quick break. And we're back. Uh, yeah, so we're going to just break down this movie a little bit more. Um, again, I think we were kind of talking a little bit over the break while uh, just kind of like about memories of this movie. And again, I did watch it not that long ago and it still feels like just so much, I don't want to say like worse, but it's just like, again, I don't feel like it I have hold that, up. I don't, yeah, I didn't have that like dragging feeling throughout. Yeah. The first time I watched I it. I also realized that I only remembered the first act of the movie and the rest of it I had no memory of slash. I was like, oh, I'm watching it for the first time and this is not really holding together as a film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would say it's certainly, I, I appreciate its pulpiness, right? It's a pulp film that has a mystery at its core of Gina, Davis trying, Gina Davis's character trying to figure out who she is. Uh, again, that's a through line through all of Shane Black's movies, right? That it's pulpy, it's kind of potty mouth, right? Yeah. And kind of cartoonishly violent. Um, and that uh, it, it pulls smartly from a lot of other movies. Uh, but in the end, it doesn't really hold together. I, I was kind of frustrated. And I think that with, you, with, with that pulpiness that you're saying, but also that cartoony nature, um, which we'll get to a little bit in like a scene here where it feels like it should have more of that like the violence should be more grounded for a movie and like this meaningful right yeah. like it should be like meaningful violence for pulp right yeah and yeah, yeah I, either one way or the other either be more meaningful and more grounded or just go full cartoon and make it over the top yes yeah uh that's at um the deer going through the windshield scene. yes so i remember i wrote in my notes while we were watching it, i'm like this actually happens right i'm from i grew up in like rural uh part of the US and that people die by hitting deer and then I knew someone whose lungs were uh, penetrated by the horns Oof. right so this is a real thing but the way it was portrayed in the movie seems ridiculous right well, you mean that <laughs> Gina Davis who's not wearing a seatbelt goes flying through the windshield goes like 200 yards down the hill yeah, and, and then just gets has up. like a scrape on her head yeah and then she gets up walks over to the deer that <laughs> went through is like still kind of like haggardly breathing and then just like breaks the neck neck. like which is just like one i don't see it happening just like in general i don't see anyone just like snapping a deer's neck like that (laughs) 
But again, it's it's like the the you know joke about like a, you, when you see a gun in the first act, right? It's like okay, we saw someone's neck twisted in the first act, so you know she's gonna kill she's someone gonna, that yeah, way. Yeah, twist somebody's yeah. neck. Um, but yeah, it's so let's go through like so if we get to this point where this is the car accident that triggers her memory is like after she's been living this idyllic life she's like bullshit americana life right yeah, like, yeah she's, she's a teacher a, she's a norman rockwell painting yes. yeah uh and so we have this moment where this is like the first time that she's actually getting some sort of answers but it really it's just more questions about who she is uh just when she's kind of felt comfortable in her life um and i did love that um in the opening scene where they're talking about the long kiss goodnight um, this is another time where I feel like there was a line of dialogue that really worked into the title and actually gave the title more context instead of just it being like, well, this is uh, me just saying the title in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so she's talking about how, like her old self, how she's given up on even finding out who she was uh, and how she's like kissed her former self goodnight. Uh, and then this is like the actual longest kiss goodnight because throughout the movie she's like forced to confront it before she can finally like actually give it up yes and again like again referencing all kind of different styles of pulp slash mystery slash noir right there's kind of kiss me deadly in there there's the long goodbye Raymond Chandler's novel like which is actually playing in one of the scenes yes it is yes so like Shane Black knows what he's doing and when he does that really nice twist as you're saying or kind of pulling the title into its um, meaning for the character. Ah, uh, it's not just a pulpy title. It's also like emotionally resonant. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yep. Then forty-five minutes later, you're still watching the movie. Going, <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, once she starts to kind of get these flashbacks, uh, I believe that's when she goes to Mitch Hennessy. Uh, or no, he's actually uh, on a different case when he his assistant. Or partner, it's never really clear what she is to him. Like, I'll tell you, she works with him. She's like the like uh, the PI's assistant slash woman who does all the dirty work. Yeah, exactly. So she's like found this new information. They go to this new place where they find this new person who leads them to um, Samantha. At this point, where everything kind of comes to a head. At this point, where uh, because this other guy who's been sitting in jail sees her clip a clip of her like in the christmas in, parade yeah she's the mrs claus or whatever and this guy is called one-eyed jack yeah <laughs> again endless pulp references <laughs> yeah uh and so he breaks out of prison to go and try and kill her uh and they all converge on her house at the same point uh where we get like these awesome the, lines the way that he tries to kill her is he like gets in with a group of carolers and like he's holding them at gunpoint and she's bringing candy to them and then like this whole fight ensues like the her bringing candy for the carolers it does hold up to actual tradition because that's what you're supposed to do as a matter of fact in the song we wish you a merry christmas when they get to the line now bring us some figgy pudding and then they start singing we won't go until we get some that goes back to the history of caroling where it actually had to be like outlawed at one point because people were getting so raucous and were like going into people's houses and <laughs> refusing to leave until they were bought off what? Uh, to, to learn all about this listen to uh, an episode of schmanners about the history of caroling it's fantastic that just kind of like goes back to my assertion as someone who has Carol that it is torture for everyone involved. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as they're fighting, 
Um, and this calls back to a scene earlier where she's, uh, after the car accident, she's like in the kitchen. They're like, you know, having like a dinner. She's like, can't hold a knife to even cut carrots, which I'm like, Again, it's been eight years. At this point, you've never got a carrot. Like, <laughs> she's, she's just like, can't even cut the carrot at all. Uh, and then so she uh, suddenly has like this like rush of like memory inspiration and like starts like chopping these carrots like very poorly, but like within the but context so of the movie. fast. Yeah, but so fast. Yeah, they're, they're horrible, horrible like slices. And also her like knife discipline is like, Somebody's also worked in the kitchen. Like, it's not good knife discipline. Uh, but she's also, uh, she's like just like chopping through this. Uh, and after, like, uh, there, she's like, pass me this, pass me this. And there's like this, like, crazy, like, 90s sitcom music that's playing underneath it. Yeah, and it's, it's this, like, zany, like, like you said, she'd be playing, like, this intro to, like, Perfect Strangers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about this movie is 90s, down to, I'm going to talk about her styling for a second. So she's got the big, curly 90s hair. She's got the, like, slightly overdrawn lipstick. She's got this sundress with a white t-shirt underneath, like, yeah. like this kind of a baggy sack dress with a pattern on it. Like, it's full 90s. Then you get the saxophone music, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. Like Where's the laugh track? Like, yes, yes, and then Samuel L. Jackson's costuming is similar. Oh, Samuel L. Jackson, when he's got that, like, master's blazer, like, the green blazer and, like, the fuzzy, like, cabbie green hat yeah. is just fantastic. But that kitchen sink brings me to one of my favorite lines in the movie, uh, where she's chopping, and then she, like, they toss her a tomato, she tosses it in the air, and then, like, flings it at the cupboard, and it, like, lands and sticks, like, right through the tomato. And she's like, chefs do that. <laughs> and then it, like, reoccurs when they break into her house again, and she, like, kills the guy, licks, like, the blood off of her finger, and she's like, chefs do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the deer neck scene. Like, you've seen it once, you're going to see it again. <laughs> Um, but yes, Samuel L. Jackson's style choices in this movie are fantastic. Yes. I 100% agree. <laughs> I, I would like to be dressed as him in this movie at all times. <laughs> and then uh, Samuel L. Jackson gets a hold of uh, Brian Cox, who like turns out to be from her past, and he kind of gives us a mid-exposition dump explaining like who she is and who all the other bad guys are and what their relationships are. And all this stuff, and he ends up getting killed. But Tara, while we were watching this, you asked, like, what is the timeline of Brian Cox being, like, the villain in movies? Because we saw him, and we were immediately like, Brian Cox has got to be the he's villain. He's got to be the villain. And he oh, wasn't. Wait, he wasn't. And, yeah. and that's kind of the story of his career. Like, he's been acting forever. He has 220 actor credits on IMDb, striding back to the early, or, like, the late 60s. And those are all mixed in good guy roles and bad guy roles pretty evenly. And, like, the first most really notable bad guy role is when he played Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter in 1986. Uh, yes. Yes, he did. I forgot about that. I love That's his... one of Michael Mann's first movies. Oh. Yeah. I do love Brian Cox's uh, introduction in this movie. It's like him with his wife? I think it's his wife. Or it's, it's... it's him with some woman of the same age-ish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, it's kind of, yeah, it's rude how it's played but he's kind of like an asshole so yeah you totally think he's gonna be a bad guy uh and there's like some line that he gives when he's like she's like uh the dog is sitting in her lap 
and it's like literally just like going to town <laughs> and he has some line and I'll like put it in but it's like something about like you know the dog looking at his assholes for three hours and there's like nothing in there like that could take any more than one <laughs> yep. I'll put it in there so there's like actual quotes of it he's been licking his asshole for the last three straight hours I submit to you that there is nothing there worth more than an hour's attention and I should think that whatever he is attempting to dislodge is either gone for good or there to stay just one of the best introductions I've seen. And I feel like, was he like a Shakespearean actor? Or like, oh, yes. Just, oh, yeah. Okay, Very yeah. much so. Because yes. yeah, the way that he delivered that line is so just like, yeah, you've done a lot of theater in your life. <laughs> how, how can you pull off this, again, potty mouth, <laughs> talking about a dog licking its asshole line and with such gravitas. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, yep. and then it's like he goes from that to being kind of like the... Was he like her handler? Was that? Was yeah, that, yeah, he was like the one who trained her. Like when she was an active agent, he was like her main point of contact. Okay, and did he play that same role in the Bourne trilogy? Yes, like, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, basically the same character in the Bourne identity. Yeah, so I'm like this is like full on. Just he also like, plays it in one of the X Men movies where he plays uh, the person who put all the. I oh, shoot. I He's the, the guy who like. Engineered the Weapon X program and got Logan yeah. into yeah. like it. Striker, no, yeah, yeah. Striker, so that is it. Striker. Yes. Um, so again, kind of training someone to be the ultimate killing machine. That like, yeah, he's like that evil bureaucrat like guy who's yeah not actually does doing not the fighting, the but is like same, always adjacent. And it's also the same part in the Glimmer in Man. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> does not have your best interest in mind. Should be like yeah. his subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Wow. That's a really specific type of character, like it for is. a character actor. Yeah, it is, yeah. So if the Coen brothers have these kind of like quirky, quippy lines, Shane Black is all about taking, is like full raunch that then is like, but but delivered with like seriousness. Yeah, like that, the quote that you pulled. <laughs> yep. Or, or like at the very beginning when they're having like just their Christmas party and her husband is, is like, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I don't curse. Oh shit, I do smoke and I do drink. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of those lines in this movie. It was like, um, the other one was with her and Brian Cox, where she's like, I'm in the PTA, then quit. And it's just like, <laughs> exactly. it's just like, oh my God, this yep. movie. Uh, they have like so, uh, again, it's, there's so many good parts, but just so far between them for so long. <laughs> yeah. There's also Gina Davis in this movie is like a Nord from Skyrim because so many times she just should have died of hypothermia. Oh, I, I have a question. Like, Tara, you, you've worked with like, you know, physicists and, <laughs> yeah, and you've, yeah. and you've, <laughs> I've worked with scientists. We, we've been to, what is it? The National Institute NIST, of yes. Standards of Temperature. Sta uh, Standards and technology. Sorry, yes. yeah, something yep. like that. Yep. Either way, yep. it's a place where they deal with like absolute zero like yes. thing refrigeration. You're meeting a person who works <laughs> in quantum computing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and it's like 
what purpose would anyone have for a refrigerator that went to negative 120 degrees outside of a scientific laboratory? Like, I just need to And know. why is that fridge have to be big enough to fit, like, multiple people inside oh, it? Negative 120 degrees. I, like, had to go back and watch this, like, <laughs> confirm. I was, And it might even go down to 130. Like, 120 is the last market on it. But then it goes, like, there's a few notches behind it. So it could go down to one, negative 130. Yeah. So, again, cartoonish violence, right? Like... And again, it fits with pulp, right? It's all this kind of heightened, heightened world of of uh, crazy, over the top cartoonish. Yeah. <laughs> Which of... she should have died in every scene. She never dies. <laughs> How long was she submerged underwater during the torture? Oh scene? yeah, during the oh. water torture scene, <laughs> where he's got her tied to like a a water wheel, and he <laughs> keeps submerging her into this like um, freezing, this water. freezing cold water. David Morse, who. Is one of those character actors who's in everything and also looks exactly like Neil McDonough, who's also a character actor who's in everything. So I can never tell which one is which. But um, here's an interesting thing from my possibly dubious IMDb research is that uh, Gina Davis was married to Rennie Harlan at the time that this movie was made. And to like practice or to prepare for that scene, they had her hold her breath in their bathtub. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, and let's not forget this is also after a grenade is thrown, creating a fire vortex that like shoots out of a window, and as it does, Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson jump out of a window. She shoots down into the ice in a circle, and they land like from three stories high into freezing cold water. Yes, <laughs> so yes. she, yeah, I would one hundred percent be convinced that she's a Nord. And they're fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course they're fine. Yes, yep, yep. Uh, but again, the idea that she's strapped to a uh, water wheel and being pulled underwater—again, super over the top. And the dead body of Brian Cox is under yes, there. Is also well, yeah, right that's now. how she yep. gets the gun because he's like earlier he like put it in his pants. Yeah, he says that he like keeps it like in his groin because he knows when like a man is like frisking another man, he's not gonna go there. Yeah, um, oh, let's, um, which gets into like a lot of the, the lines, homophobia like, in this the movie. homophobia <laughs> in this movie, which is rampant. Uh, yeah. I think homophobia, actually, again, if you're thinking about themes of Shane Black's writing <laughs> style, like over the top violence, kind of like quippy, cartoonish, noirish, and homophobia. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's and like, it's oh, yeah, you're a bad movies. guy, you're a bad person. What's the worst thing that you could possibly be punished with? Anal sex. Anal sex is the worst thing ever. Maybe which, he's doing it wrong. Which he apparently just, someone was... maybe needs to give him like some lessons. Yeah. You have to start like, with a finger. You, yes. know? you just got to go in slow. You go, Plenty slow, of lubrication. Slow and some lube. That, that yep. apparently was... Colin, moving on. <laughs> apparently was worse in the original script because in the original script, which was uh, supposedly considerably darker and more violent, um, Samuel L. Jackson talks about being uh, gang-raped in prison and that's why his wife won't let him see the sun. Wow. That's a whole lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> that is... That's, I mean, even wow. so, even in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, there's a, like uh, Val Kilmer's character is called Gay Perry or whatever his name is. Like he's given the name Gay because it's so homophobic that he has to be called <laughs> Gay yeah. in saying his name. That in um, the Nice Guys, there's also again these weird kind of tensions around homophobia. I can't really gang raped. Obviously, is a yeah. motivation for a character. Yeah, that's uh, uh, wow. I mean, it happens with women all the time, which is just 
Like, oh, God, it's so horrible. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I, that reminds, oh, God, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Let's oh, get back to wait, this. Wait, now, now I want to talk about that conversation. Oh, well, I was just, I, it's just, I've been watching Pose a lot lately. Oh. And there's like one scene where um, um, Blanca goes back home for her mother's funeral. Um, and like her sister's husband uh, is you know being extremely transphobic and like kind of like knocks her against the wall and is like you know like I don't want you like around my kids because I don't care who like molested you or did what oh, to you like you yeah. don't need to like and it's like that whole thing that like conflates um, sexual violence with like life choices well, yeah, <laughs> yeah or like or like that uh, conflates specifically like you know homosexuality with like pedophilia like which is like something that like was still like pretty like spoken like outspoken like even in the 90s like in the 90s it was yeah. still very prevalent yeah people like had that mistaken connection or just like had believed that for some reason yeah so like yeah for her like the, for that to be like the reason that she wouldn't want samuel jackson around his son it was just like so fucked <laughs> it's so yep. fucked yeah yep um yeah uh well speaking okay. of unrealistic things uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> other unrealistic things in this movie uh um, the explosion with Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that was so good. Yes. Oh, that was so good. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, it's, we're, again, in this freezer, negative 130 yeah. degrees for the last 10 minutes, and everyone's still alive, apparently. Um, so, uh, earlier in the movie, um, Charlie now, who is Samantha Kane, Samantha's slash Charlie, um, has taken her daughter's baby doll and filled it with gasoline. <laughs> and so she does this like makeshift explosion uh, that literally like blows out the entire first floor and blows through two floors <laughs> to, uh, and blows Samuel L. Jackson like out of a window and across like don't worry through, he, don't worry he's fine through the hotel sign <laughs> across into a tree and then down into the snow and not only does he survive he is uninjured at all and has enough like wherewithal to pick up a knife from the snow and throw it right into someone's throat like and at no point have we really like we've shown that he's like you know pretty good with a gun but like with no point have we shown this like ninja level of like accuracy with anything. It's just so ridiculous. Well, the whole third act, like the plan that the bad guys have, gets so convoluted and weird that it it should be right out of a Roger Moore James Bond movie. Yeah, or like a Looney Tunes episode. <laughs> yeah, it's like yes. they have this tanker and it's gonna they're gonna blow it up in the center of town for reasons and. Like they're gonna but, blame it on like Arab people, yeah, for but, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and the timer is the. Bomb I mean, the is, reason is racism. Like, <laughs> yeah. yes. the bomb is gonna go off when this thing reaches three hundred and fifteen degrees, and it's gaining this stuff by each increment of time. And I'm like, why? Yeah, like why not just have a timer? Yeah, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no point. To this whole like it's gonna reach 315 degrees and they say it like, like what is it, like an times. oven preheating it's just like so fucking dumb like set your oven to preheat for 10 minutes and then just place your bomb inside <laughs> then start the timer yeah. so we have some homophobia some kind of vague racism uh, yeah yeah it's a, it, 
it's a fun romp. I mean, it sounds like '90s Hollywood. Like it's yeah. it's pretty. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I think everyone was on cocaine. It's like the Coke movie. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's it's the thing where uh, the '80s never dies. You know. <laughs> well, it's time for James Bond connection. Oh yeah, we got that back. <laughs> um. Patrick Maldehyde, the guy who plays Mr. Perkins. Mr. Perkins is the uh, like shadowy government operative guy who's running Gina Davis. He is the Swiss banker in the cold open of The World Is Not Enough. Ooh. The guy who like gets killed by Pierce Brosnan in the longest cold open of possibly any movie ever. <laughs> it's like 20 minutes. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like That's just the first <clears throat> act. <laughs> <laughs> Another question that I had was why this man felt the need to penetrate people in order to feel powerful. Like, that was, like, something that he, like, uh, the guy was, like, hanging from the... Oh, the like, our, our, our main bad guy, Timothy? Yeah. Yeah. And then he, like, stabs him and then, like, hugs into him and then just, like, gives this, like, really gross-looking face. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, at the end of the movie, it, like, comes back where it's, like, literally, like, oh, yeah, no, this knife is my penis. Uh, because, like, Gina D- Davis is, like, oh, what, only four inches? And he's, like, well, you'll feel it, though. And it's just, like, uh. No, he says, you'll feel me. Does he? Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Oh, yep, yeah. So, yeah, she says, oh, only four inches? And he says, oh, you'll feel me. Yeah, it's, yeah, his knife is very clearly an extension of his penis. And... <laughs> uh, at least I feel like the movie itself actually recognizes that maybe I would I'm, it's doing it knowingly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that makes it better face. but <laughs> I don't know if that makes it better but yep. it at least knows what it's doing yep. <laughs> um, yeah so I think that about covers me you guys got any other notes uh, I've got a couple other things um, apparently New Line Cinema wanted to change the lead character into a man uh, very uh, thankful yep. that that didn't happen but they wanted a Stallone or Steven Seagal uh, uh-huh. that would not have been good no, no. that would not have been good <laughs> um, and then uh, in the ice skating scene we didn't talk about the ice skating scene oh. where um, yes. she's has to catch up with a car that's speeding away so she skates across the lake and she does this jump and like shoots the car and the drivers and all this stuff originally what they wanted to do was she was going to perform a double axle flip and while she was going over flipping over over the top of her head upside down she would be firing the pistols but this attempt this failed after they attempted two different practical rigs and multiple attempts of CGI to get this to work wow. and it never did so that's wow. why so basically it would be a scene from Deadpool but yeah. 20 years earlier yeah exactly <laughs> nice. um, just the re- usual rundown this movie has a 6.8 on IMDb a 44 on Metacritic. It has a 68% Rotten Tomatoes and a 70% Audience Tomatoes. Mm. Oh, uh, one more funny little note that I did see when I like browsed through the Amazon X-ray thing was <laughs> they were like, "Fact check." Like, <laughs> pretty much like no one would have survived that explosion. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, yeah. they're like, they would not have been able to get out through the rubble that an explosion yes. that blew through two floors of yes. like concrete would yes. have produced. Like, there's just no way anyone would have survived no. in that situation. I-, I think everyone in this movie should be dead. Yeah. In like the Multiple first times act. Over, yeah. um, and I do have in my notes here the milk jug scene where she's like beating people up. You know, she's having the fight in the kitchen with all these domestic, womanly kind of like... Uh, 
you know, like traditionally coded as female and nurturing things. Instead, she's like beating everybody up with them. That's kind of a fun twist. I'm sure, I feel like uh, Ryan Coogler probably stole that for Black Panther, like in that casino scene, because... Yeah, you know, we've got Okoye throwing the wig. We've got, uh, Sh- uh, not Shuri, Nakia taking off her heel and beating someone over yep. the head with it. Yep. I see you, Ryan Coogler. You, you-, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't get that past us, Ryan Coogler. Yep. You know, you're like the biggest long kiss goodnight fan ever. Ever. Like, right? yeah. <laughs> All of the reviews he's seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't seen Creed 2 yet, but I hear that like the long kiss goodnight is playing in the background for all of Creed 2. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we're at the end. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna keep it shorter than this movie by far. Like, yes. <laughs> we're not going to. We can talk it. as long as the movie. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah <laughs> we just have to talk through the movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll be right back here with some recommendations. And we're back. And that was The Long Kiss Goodnight. Emphasis on long. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, we're back here with some recommendations. Actually, you know, before we get into recommendations, I'm going to do the quick shout outs just real fast here because we got some people who commented on our uh, post about this movie. Uh, We just asked on media what people wanted, uh, what people thought of this movie, what they wanted for Christmas or the holidays. Uh, and my one stipulation was that they couldn't say the recovered memories of a black ops agent. <laughs> Gina Davis already has it. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So from Amanda at Amanda, Amanda's Pick Show Go Go. Again, always awesome. Always great to hear from you. We love you. You're the best. Uh, she said that she's only seen the beginning, which I think we've established. This is can the best that way to watch this movie. Amanda, only watch the beginning. Continue with that, please. Uh, and that uh, for Christmas, she asked for some Godfather uh, Funko Pop figures. Um, Amanda also just started a new podcast called The Mafia Minute, uh, and they go through the uh, Mafia films minute by minute. Uh, so each episode is one minute of The Godfather. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> or discussion, yeah. one minute. Because yeah. it'd be pretty quick if it was just like, and that was one yeah, minute like, of The Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars minute style. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, The Mafia Minute. Um, some nice alliteration there. Um, she's got the snappy names. Um, so yeah, thank you again, Amanda. We've also got Steve from Everything I Learned from Movies podcast, uh, who said that he loves, loves, loves this flick. Uh, surprised it hasn't popped up on our podcast yet. May need to remedy that real quick. I don't think Izzy has seen it. So, uh, yeah, if you do end up doing that, uh, we'll definitely give it a listen to see what you thought about it on a second viewing or another viewing uh, or to see what Izzy thought on her first viewing because, yeah, I would We're love curious. to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Amanda. Um, yeah, that's our shout-outs for this week. And let's get into those recommendations. What do you got for us, Tara? Yeah, so again, if you like this movie, other movies that you perhaps haven't seen, so uh, one of Shane Black's, I think, more recent directorial pre-Iron Man movie, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, happen- again, takes place during Christmas. It's a noir. It's super smart and funny. Uh, the more recent one, The Nice Guys. Um, 
if you like the kind of action, female-based action films from that era, uh, La Femme Nikita, the Luc Besson movie, and then the American remake with Bridget Fonda called Point of No Return. Um, and then if the uh, noir part, uh, pulp part, is what you're really interested in, I would say Kiss Me Deadly. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It's a film from, oh gosh, the 50s, late 50s, um, which begins with um, uh, Chloris, uh, sorry, I, I'm going to get this wrong. Never mind. Anyway, it's a great movie. You should watch it. <laughs> but the credits play backwards as the start of the film. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. and the idea that there's a case that has something, like a glowing thing inside that's in Pulp Fiction. The Pulp Fiction, yeah. Comes from Kiss Me Deadly. Oh, that's yeah. Yep. Colin, what do you got? Uh, I'm going to recommend the Netflix original series Ozark oh, okay. uh, with uh, Jason Bateman, who is a uh, financial analyst, but he's been laundering money for a drug cartel. And when his partner has been stealing from the cartel, he has to relocate to the Ozarks and start laundering money there. And it's just a really tense, really well-made, well-acted, well-scripted show. And there's only like two seasons. Yeah. Uh, and I think the third one's on the way. And I think that's how they got him to do the new Arrested Development, was he kind of horse-traded and said, like, let me really? do Ozarks. Oh, wow, all, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because yeah, he also directs a lot of the episodes yeah. as well. So It's his passion project. Yeah, so mm-hmm. and it's very good. So check out Ozark if you've not watched it yet. Very good, very good. Um, I have been... I started Pose like a month ago. No, it was like two weeks ago. Um, and watched like the first episode and then was like, oh, I don't want to like binge this. I really like it a lot. Uh, and you then like watched it. like the second and the third episode. And I was like, okay, okay. And then last night I just like ended up watching like the next like five episodes so uh, I would recommend Pose uh, it is an amazing show um, it is a show about queer trans people um, people of color and like black trans people black queer people uh, and it is like written directed performed by all of those people which mm-hmm. just brings that level of story and experience uh, it's again like what we were talking about last week as far as um you know, providing the avenue and the platform for those people. Like Ryan Murphy is a perfect example of that, of someone who's very successful in his craft, who literally could have done whatever he wanted with this show. And what he did was bring in the people who had those stories to tell, to tell those stories. From their Uh, own voices and their own lived experience. Yep. Exactly. And one of the things that really stands out for me is like, I, I haven't watched the last episode, but like in like the first seven episodes, I'm like, there's not been like that scene that I've been like, I keep like cringing and waiting for where it's like the, you know, queer person, the trans person gets like the shit kicked out of them on the side of the street, like has their teeth punched in. And like, I've like, I've like, like sat through the first seven episodes. I was just like, and I'm like, I I think, I think we're good. I think we're like creating drama and telling stories (laughs) without like, Oh God, it's a safe place. It's a safe place. Without like sensationalizing, (laughs) like, yeah, without sensationalizing, like the like physical violence against like queer bodies uh, and I As love it so much for that. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. And it's like, yeah, it, they still get across the, you know, the struggle of, you know, the AIDS and HIV crisis because it's the 80s and that was something that was happening. Uh, they still like portray, you know, like the difference of, um, you know, being a black or uh, brown like queer person versus like 
being like a cisgendered white gay person during this time, mm-hmm. which there was a very big difference yes. uh, in terms of like how those people were received and treated in society. Uh, and it does all of that like so intelligently, so compassionately, and like so beautifully. I love it so much. Okay, well, um, now I know what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to watch it before coming to your birthday. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that uh, is my recommendation. Uh, and I think that about wraps us up here for the uh, episode. Um, you can find all of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Overcast, everywhere that you find your podcast, you can find us and listen. We are at, uh, we are at IWITWT on Twitter. Um, I want you to watch this on all of those platforms. And we are at forward slash, uh, sorry, Facebook dot com forward slash groups forward slash IWI TWT both Colin and I are on the social meds I am at Catharticus I am at Colin Munch and Tara if you have something to say to her you can say it to us <laughs> or you can email me oh there we go <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah should I direct them like to your website or you know something like sure. that sure yeah yeah she's taranight.net there we go there we yeah go. Um, there we go and that is our show. Bye. Bye. <laughs>